mindfulness mode. The most powerful relationship you will ever have is the one with yourself. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, you're always looking, Mindful Tribe, to be empowered, to learn how to live with the body you're in, and to learn how to just be contented and grounded and happy. And this is a great day because you're going to learn more about that from my guest, and she's a beautiful, smiling, happy, positive, bubbly, upbeat personality because we've already been chatting for a few minutes. I'm here with Elizabeth Tripp. Elizabeth, are you in mindfulness mode today? Oh, Bruce, I totally am. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. I feel really grateful to be here and and be of service to your audience. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, it's so great to have a chance to meet you and to talk to you. and, And I think it must be just fantastic living in New York City or New York wherever you live near New York City I'm not really quite sure but that always seems very uh, sort of like wow you're living the big life do you live in New York City Elizabeth I used to live in New York City Bruce um, until this past March of 2020 so last March when the corona pandemic hit I had this inclination to travel out of the city take a step back take a pause and go back to my roots in upstate New York. And so over the past year, I've actually been a little bit outside of the Albany area, just really regrounding and centering myself in nature, in the quiet life. So I lived 12 years in the big city, and now I'd say I'm enjoying my life in the the country. So we'll see how long we'll be here and and what life uh, has in store for me in upstate New York. Oh, that sounds very awesome. I live in the country myself, so I get outside for an hour. Every morning before I do anything else, I go for a run for an hour, and it's just just very quiet. There's nobody else around, and I just see nature and the sky and the stars if it's still dark, you know, it's just it's just beautiful. So that's a that's a great part of life is enjoying nature. But what does mindfulness mean for you, Elizabeth? Oh, yeah, that's such a great question and something I really took time to ponder on. And, and what I kept coming back to was just this deep presence to yourself and not just the self as we know as the mind and the body, but drawing such a deep awareness to the self of your higher spiritual self. That's what I really feel mindfulness is, you know, coming into that practice of awareness of being just so in tune with the physicality of your mind and body, which will allow you access to your higher self, your spiritual self. Elizabeth, I want to share a bit more of your bio with Mindful Tribe because they really want to know about you. Elizabeth is the owner and founder of Live Life by your design and uh, she has that is a premium coaching practice that guides entrepreneurs visionaries coaches and healers to be empowered to live and build lifestyles that they love and she teaches her clients using gifts and the lessons she's learned from her own personal soul's journey and she teaches you to live 
with the body you're in, to learn to love the body you're in. And I think that's a fantastic thing because a lot of people don't feel that way. Elizabeth is a registered dietitian nutritionalist and she holds a master's degree in nutritional sciences. And uh, she is a transcendental meditation coach. And she works with people in past life regressions as well. And so this is really a lot of interesting things to talk about. Tell us how past life regression has helped you to connect with your clients and help your clients transition into a better place. Yeah, well... Bruce, the way I see it is, you know, this isn't just our first time around the rodeo, you know? So as as spiritual beings inside of a human experience, we've come to our, our life journey uh, to learn and grow. And often in one journey, in one uh, period of life, right? From a, a birth to maybe 80 or 90 or 100, we will go through several different kinds of experiences and have all different kinds of opportunities to learn and grow, but there's still always more to see and understand. So as the spirit transitions from the body, just like how a car's engine may die and we have to go to the car dealership and buy a new one, we as souls leave our physical form and head back up to another realm or dimension. And we ourselves then look at, well, what kind of body or car would I want to ride in in my next life? Bringing with us the experiences we've had from other lifetimes, from other journeys we've been on in our physical form, we will bring a collection of those experiences into our next life and we'll pick a car or a vehicle as we such refer to our bodies that will help us maximize our learning and growth. And oftentimes clients will come to me and say, you know, in this life, I've really struggled with this problem. And an example could be saying no or setting boundaries or, you know, feeling like I'm responsible for other people. And we will look into the current life journey and into the experiences that they've had thus far in their life. And we'll see if there's anything that congruent with what they are experiencing in their own perception of themselves, their life, what's going on. And we may begin to also see that the current players or people that they are experiencing life with or have had an experience in life that has contributed to this problem, right, this issue, I don't know how to set boundaries or I always feel responsible for other people or I always feel so guilty and and, um, sad that I've done something wrong. Those are common life problems. And if we'll see that if there's something in the current life that doesn't quite match or open up to why they are thinking that and feeling that here, we can often bring them back into a past life with similar people in which they may be in this lifetime with, have incarnated with, and help them see where this actual story or perception or way of thinking about themselves began. And it might not even be in this current life, it's just this life is outplaying and supporting that narrative. 
Now, Elizabeth, that is fascinating. And I'm wondering if you would be able to take us into a specific example of somebody you've worked with and and how they've gone back and, and moved through this experience and it's really helped them. Sure. So I had a client, um, we'd been working together for oh, several months and she had just uh, given birth. So she was postpartum and she was feeling um, very anxious and really overwhelmed and stressed out and was having a lot of fear that her child was going to die. And the birth was relatively healthy. There were some minor complications. She, rather than giving a a natural birth with, you know, through the birthing canal, she had to have a C-section. So there was some minor trauma there and, and some things that didn't go exactly as planned. But relatively, the baby was healthy, breathing, heart rate was great, all the major organs were functioning, and it was like post-date two weeks, and so things were going well. But she had come to me and said, I feel so afraid something's going to happen to my child, and I can't wrap my mind around it. And so we were in session and something, Bruce, that I've been gifted with and have the ability to do is is utilize spirit and spirit guides and departed loved ones as a source of navigation for my client. Uh, And I will often just reach in and and ask them for guidance. You know, could you show me where this is for them and, and guide me to the specific place I need to go with them in order to help them transform this? And that day spirit said, guide her back, tell Percy back when she was uh, giving birth a couple lifetimes ago and help her see what happened. Mm -hmm. So I began to just gently start to relax my client and I said, I'm being guided to bring you back not to this life experience because you had not had birth prior to this, but to a past life, would you be okay going there? And she said, yeah. And so we just guided her back with her breath and and brought her through in her third eye and put her back into an image where she could remember being in the like late 17, 1800s and giving natural birth, except this birth she could remember there was a lot of blood and there was a lot of fear and something terrible had happened. And I gently held her space there and I helped her see that actually in that life, she had given birth and it had been very complicated and the child had died and that she had bled too much herself and that it had put the whole experience in her mind as something awful was going to happen and that because the child didn't make it and she was also so weak that that was what she was experiencing in this life because of the minor complications that happened she couldn't give natural she had to have the c-section it triggered her to remember subconsciously the blood loss and the loss of the child and how scary and that something bad had happened the child didn't make it And I helped her see how she was inside the past and that it actually wasn't the present. And that there was a significant lesson for her here to learn that she could be trust that the universe was going to take care of her and that her child was going to be okay. And that she could have peace in this life knowing she didn't have to go through the loss of a child in 
her current life in order to learn that peace and support from the universe. And it was so profound. She was so brought to tears and just transformed. And she said, everything's going to be okay. I'm going, my child's going to be healthy. I'm going to be fine. I said, yes. And it all made sense for her. So does that help you see more clearly what that means to go back and do the, the regression therapy and bring someone present to what can happen in our past lives, to what we experience in our present? Elizabeth, that makes it crystal clear. Thank you for telling that story. And what a beautiful, beautiful experience you helped her have as she moved through that. And it was no longer negative and frustrating for her. So, wow. That really does make it very clear. Elizabeth, I want to talk to you about body image because I know you're a nutritionalist and and so many of us, especially in North America, you know, men and women, we have this idea that we're supposed to look a certain way. You know, men are supposed to be buff and we're supposed to have this great body and women, you know, have their images too. Well, how do you help people to kind of deal with their own body image and of course maybe move toward the body image they want but also at the same time maybe change what their perception is of what they think their body image should be yeah beautiful question and and so absolutely true you know i want to include men in this conversation because it's it's predominantly i found a lot of the women talking about body image and you know what is beautiful and what is sexy but men also have their own struggles with what is a strong powerful handsome man and there's a lot of that own body shame and guilt conversation happening so when it comes to looking at our understanding of what is a beautiful body, you know, what is a handsome body? You know, we want to start asking ourselves is, well, what do we learn growing up that that is? Where do we see our own images of beauty and handsome and powerful and strong? As growing up, what are we what are we looking at or understanding as as kids? And Bruce, maybe you might even want to be thinking about that with me just, just to kind of come along. It's like, where do we get our own definition of what handsome and beautiful and strong is? And most of the time, you may agree or disagree, but we are seeing images of people in magazines and television and celebrities. And we're taking those images and the perceptions that we see of what is beauty, what is handsome, size six, you know, tiny waist, you know, large frame on top or like big, strong muscles on, Mm -hmm. you know, on men and buff bodies. And we're saying this is what being beautiful or handsome or strong is. And we're taking what society and culture and those paradigms have shaped for us and saying, this is what I need to fit into. And so suddenly now we have created a gap. Because majority of people, statistics have uh, uncovered that, you know, the the average uh, person that fits the mold of the social cultural standard of beauty or what is handsome, it's like 2% of the population. And most of the people that fit this standard have shaped themselves with technology like, um, you know, plastic surgery or getting things nipped and tucked with themselves. So the Mm -hmm. classic shape that would be considered beautiful or handsome 
only 2% of the population actually fits that mold. So wow. now we have 98% of people who feel what about their body, Bruce? Yeah. What about their own yeah. way they look? Who feel negative, who feel frustrated, who are having this anxiety, ongoing anxiety because they're not like 2% of the population. Wow, that's a great way to put it, Elizabeth. Yeah, and then now they have all these sort of negative views of themselves because they will go to school or they'll play with their playmates and they may be taller, they may be a little wider, they may be lankier. And because they don't look like what they see on TV or what is supposed to be acceptable or what would we call like a lovable or beautiful or handsome little boy or girl, they start to create this judgment within themselves. There's something wrong with me or how come I don't look like that? When really Bruce, in my opinion, no one body is designed the same because no one soul is the same. It's not possible for our spirit who has come as a unique and imperfectly perfect source or essence to come into a body and look exactly the same as everybody else. So beauty and what is handsome can never be a cookie cutter thing. Yeah. It has to come from your own source within and be individual to celebrating the uniqueness of being you, including the way that your shape and size is. So where should we start when it comes to nutrition? Like I've been uh, really on a nutrition journey, making sure that I've eliminated sugars and eliminating most processed foods and trying to be careful about the, the quality of food I eat, fresh food, a lot of raw food. What are your suggestions for somebody that wants to improve their diet? I have a very interesting point of view. So Traditionally, as you know, I, I am a nutritionist and um, I spent a lot of my life from uh, roughly around 2008 to up until 2016 practicing in, in a traditional sense where it was like no processed foods, only eat fruits and vegetables, um, really limit your, your sugar and alcohol and such. It is standard, right? Things mm -hmm. to, to, to tell people. And it's not that I don't say those things aren't wonderful for you because I truly believe they are. But something that I've woken up to that has been very powerful and game-changing in the way that I understand our relationship with food is inserting also this piece of your emotion, your emotional health, and its impact on your food choice. Because we forget that we as human beings have emotions and our emotions drive our behavior. And behavior comes from our own beliefs, which are really stemming from the way that we feel about ourselves, right? So often we forget that our feelings influence our eating patterns. And even if we are a very super healthy eater, and we have, you know, a pattern of eating that seems to be, according to the, you know, recommendations, relatively healthy. Well, what happens when we get stressed? What happens when we go under, you know, sort of a time period where life seems to fall apart, the routine isn't there, you know, we're sort of left to kind of go on our own device or navigate world in the unknown. 
we may go back to unhealthy foods as a source of comfort or a way to kind of help us feel better. And then we blow our whole plan. And that's where people get stuck in these sort of, I'm never going to be able to eat healthy. It's too hard. It's so much work because they forget to take into account or consideration that the biggest part of maintaining our well-being is not only what we're eating, but how we're feeling and thinking, because that's what's driving ultimately the long-term choices we make with our food. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I think that's very, very wise, very wise uh, advice. So thank you for that. I want to talk to you about... um, the fact that you and I are both pretty light in color. Our skin is pretty light. I was recently talking with a a classroom of students in a school about mindfulness, and we were talking about this whole Black Lives Matter and skin color, and somebody said, well, who came up with the idea that we should treat people based on the color of their skin? Mm -hmm. And I thought, of course, it's such an obvious question, and it's so ridiculous and just completely wrong that we should be even thinking of treating people by the color of their skin. What are your comments about Black Lives Matter and the whole racial prejudice issues that we deal with in our world today? Really great question, really good question. So I come from a premise that as a soul on a human journey, I've chosen to come to this life. And I've chosen what kind of body I'm riding in. And so I come from the understanding and the premise that everybody on this earth journey has that same choice, that they have chosen to come to this earth journey and they have chosen to ride in the body that they're in. Now, just taking a moment to digest that and just let that settle in, a question may come, well, why would I choose this body with this color or in this location? And so there comes my second premise, which is the soul chooses the body and the location and the family for a purpose, for a good reason, for it to experience necessary things that will unlock or begin to open up important lessons for that soul to learn. Now, body, shape, size, and color can lead us to have experiences in our life that can lead us to have hurt or pain or go through suffering. And those things, yes, as human beings, we say can be bad and can be awful. But on the other side of that hurt or pain, there is a potential and opportunity to gain wisdom within yourself and get to know who you are beyond just the physical part of you, beyond just what we see in our human eye, the color of our skin, the way that we look, and can open us up to understanding more deeply who we really are and how we want to think about ourselves and the way that we see our life and the reality in which we live. The third premise I would insert here is that the way we think about ourselves is the way we will see our life. 
and that we want to even inside these times where there is a ton of talk and, comp and uh, um, you know, uh, information about racism to educate ourselves as to what people are going through and what they are thinking and what they are feeling. And when ready, help them also understand in the bigger bigger picture of the spirituality of themselves, what it could mean for them as they go through any of those painful or hurtful experiences themselves. Yeah, thanks for those words. One of one of my mantras includes the words, I, I see everything and everyone with compassion. And I think that if we if we do that, if we truly embrace what compassion means, I think that is a small step in helping to move toward, you know, just being completely accepting of everyone in this on this planet. Well, I was going to say that's a beautiful practice because part of fundamentally how we're wired as human beings is to notice differences and and we are wired to actually take note and and be judgmental. It's just a part of who we are so to you know be able to lean in and invite that practice is actually a very loving and beautiful way to begin to educate yourself in what is a natural part of being a human being yeah yeah i want to talk to you about your own meditation practice in your own life i know that you're a teacher of transcendental meditation uh tell us what meditation looks like for you elizabeth yeah, oh, it shifted over the years. You know, when I first got trained as transcendental meditation, I was back in New York City. Um, Michael Miller, he was my teacher, and he had a little studio over a park, and he gave me a mantra, and I would, uh, you know, hum it in my mind as I would find my center. And that really opened me up to this whole world of presence. It was like, wow, when I can quiet my mind and I can connect to my uh, self on a deeper level without all the chatter and the noise, I can hear solution to problems or a new point of view. And so it began my journey of self-discovery and inquiry with myself and in even more of a, uh, you know, inquisitive nature with how do I connect even more deeply to that part of me? And it led me on a grand adventure. I mean, I've studied under many teachers and been in many different kinds of uh, spaces to educate myself in spirituality. And now I've arrived at a beautiful place where meditation is simply a way of being. It's, it's a part of my entire life, uh, in meaning that it is the most important practice of my life to be present to myself my thoughts, my feelings, uh, my environment. And every day I take at least 15 minutes to close my eyes, take a few deep breaths and connect to the divine source within me and quite literally just fill my body with that light. And as I do that, then I'm able to source my own sustenance and my own feelings of well-being from that, that place and be able to really be aware of how I, in my own thought and my own feeling, can direct my life. And so I make that a daily practice. And, and every so often I do longer, very one hour, one and a half hour connections into that space to just explore and seek answers and, and find truths that I, I am curious about. But that's a daily part of my life. Oh, that's great. 
That's great. I want to ask you about the topic of bullying. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Absolutely. I, I really appreciate that, that, that spin on that, um, you know, because I was bullied as a kid, actually. Oh, were you? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, um, I was an overweight kid, so hence why I had so much interest to go into nutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, being a very sensitive, empathic girl growing up, I could feel everybody's feelings, Bruce, and, and I had no idea what to do with it all. It was mm. like, what do I do with this overwhelming sense of, I know what everybody's going through. Wow. And because my parents, yeah, it was, it was really wild. And because my parents weren't, um, equipped to necessarily nurture that this kind of empathic child and it was perfect for me but uh, at the time it really led me to seek comfort with food it's like okay pack on the pack on the food to help me feel better but really Mm -hmm. pack on the pounds as I did that so um, I'll share my own personal story of bullying because I think in retrospect if I had mindfulness or had the capacity to be able to tune into and understand what to do with my emotions, it could have transformed the outcome of what I experienced. But nonetheless, it was all for a good reason. Um, I went into middle school after a couple years of, you know, using food as comfort and continuing to do that in middle school, 175 pounds, I was five foot six, so I was bigger than the other girls, considering I'm 13. And most Mm. girls that age are maybe 95 or 100 pounds or maybe 115. Mm. So I was like, you know, a decent 50 pounds more than them. And the boys in my class made it very apparent that I was different and that I, I, I looked different. Um, and they uh, teased me from the sixth grade to the eighth grade. And um, they would do uh, things like put notes in my locker and whisper you know, things in my ear like you're ugly and you're fat. And it was really hard for me. It was very painful because mm. here I am thinking I'm already weird. I can feel all these things and now I don't fit in. And um, I, I'm not lovable. I'm not liked by my peers. Um, and so at the time I went really deep inside and I really uh, hid the pain I was feeling with food and then also making a choice not to eat. It was really fascinating to look back on, but I went from stuffing my feelings into then suddenly making a choice and saying, I'm just not gonna eat, I'm not gonna feel. And I lost 60 pounds in like, I don't know, it was 18 months. So by the time I went into high school, I was a completely different looking human. I was skinny. People liked me. They said I was pretty. And I had no idea how to handle it. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, Bruce, my my dialogue was, I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. How is that true? So if I had been able to be connected with people who could provide me with tools, like being able to, first and foremost, in the beginning, be in touch with emotion and know that emotion is is a normal part of being a human and what to do with emotions and how to let them out, I think it would have produced a child that could have been more empowered to be able to um, stand in herself and make better choices with food and her body and speak up for the experience that she was going through because I didn't tell anybody about 
what happened to me. So um, that would have been very, very useful, as well as helping a child notice their own reaction to other people's opinions and not having to necessarily take the truth of a young boy and make it define that girl and really live in the image of somebody else's opinion of somebody that they made about your body. That would have been really helpful for me because I lived a long time no matter what I did, thinking I was never going to be beautiful. I was never going to be uh, something that somebody could admire. And that was from that experience in seventh grade. Wow. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that with us. That's That sounds like a really tough journey that you went through. It was beautiful, though, in retrospect, because Bruce those boys shaped my life and they actually led me to every single relationship I had thereafter. And what brought me to this place of awakening was literally a relationship I had five years ago and was just so uh, awful in its back and forth and, and treachery that I recognized my insecurities and my dependence on other people's opinions and what they thought about me was the the sole reason why my relationships didn't work out and how, why I felt so bad about myself. And it all stemmed from the teasing. So I almost feel great. Well, I'm going to say I do feel grateful for those teenage boys because they brought me on my path. Wow. What a great way to look at it. Wow. Elizabeth, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been like the most powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Oh, wonderful. My coach, Alex, um, he, he, he's located in Virginia beach. He's amazing. I love him. He's a, he's such a powerful teacher. He's been my mentor for a long time. Tell me how you see your emotions differently as a result of your mindfulness practice. Oh, beautiful. Emotions are a part of the human experience, but they are not who I am. They are temporary and impermanent. And I always have a choice to decide how I want to feel and what I want to think. Very good. Very good. Let's talk about breathing. How is breathing a part of your yeah. mindfulness practice? Oh, every day, every day. You know, breath is how you connect to your, your physical temple, your, your sacred temple of this body that we're riding in. And so with breath, we can come back home and we can come back into alignment with who we really are by drawing a presence as we slow down to ourselves. So breath is essential in that really mindfulness, practicing growing that alignment with yourself, really getting to know who you are. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? I have it right here. I loved that question. Um, the Untethered Soul by uh, Michael A. Singer. I, I just, have you read it? It's yes. A, it's a, I bet you yes. have. It's a I wonderful book. Yes. <laughs> I just pulled it out today. It's like, maybe I should go through this again. Just love the eloquence of this book and really helping his way of understanding your relationship to your thoughts and your feelings and how they create your world and how you have the power to actually reclaim um, your own self regardless of your experience and the emotions that you have and that there are lessons in, in what you feel and how you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. Is there an app 
that you would recommend that maybe you use or your clients do that can help with mindfulness? Yeah, maybe you get this one a lot, but Insight Timer was yes. the first app I, I ever uh, started on. And um, it changed my life, really, because I would set the timer for 15 minutes and, you know, I would do my, uh, my uh, mantra and uh, listen to the sounds and it had this sort of gamification where you'd get stars and you'd go all the all these levels and so i was like yes i want to keep doing this so it was a real motivator for me because i got all the stars and then i could feel really good about myself mentally and physically so yeah insight, insight timer is cool yeah i love that too i love insight timer i'll put all of this in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com mindful tribe so you can check it out and elizabeth your website is elizabeth trip.com and trip is t-r-i-p-p so what can we expect to find there at elizabethtrip.com oh everything you can uh you can come in and take a life design uh quiz where you can see you know where where you are stuck in your life and where you are ready to perhaps get unstuck and start to create a life that you love so uh, you can come and enjoy that as well as you can get connected to the community i've recently restarted my own podcast it's called nourish the soul and i go live every first tuesday of the month at 7 p.m eastern standard time um on riverside f and in Facebook, my Empowered Soul group. Um, and it's a great way for me to bring service to the community and just, you know, bring transformation and enlightening conversations. And they can get all that information at elizabethtrip.com. Oh, that's so cool. So you're you're doing your podcast live. I'm going to jot down what time that is again. So I'm going to have you repeat it because that is really cool. You are, are you interviewing someone or are you doing your own dialogue? So for, you know, Bruce, for um, a couple of years, in 2017 and 2019, I held uh, a podcast, Nourish the Soul Live, um, in New York City. I was on talkradio.myc and then in a couple live podcasting studios. So I would do dialogue on my own, and then I would get great interviews from people who would come in to the studio or, or, or um, be virtual via Skype or um, on uh, Zoom, and we'd host live shows. So I took a break in 2019 up until the uh, last, two months ago when, when I heard the call from Spirit, they said, you have to get back out there. <laughs> I said, really? And they said, yes. So I, I have started it up and it's at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my Facebook group. It's called Empowered Souls. And then I'm also live on Riverside FM. So that's that platform where you can connect and uh, join in on the chat room and call in and ask questions. So we're really utilizing that space to get the community going interactive. 7 p.m. Eastern on the, what, what night of the month is it again? Every first Tuesday. Every first Tuesday. Okay, great. We can put that into our calendars every first Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Very cool. That is very cool. So way to go. You're just uh, staying right up on the technology and that's going to be really fun to have have people on there and, and to tune in to Elizabeth. So thank you for sharing that information with us. So if anybody's listening today who is still just trying to kind of get going with mindfulness and they want a little bit more of a sense of groundedness and a sense of contentment, what words of advice would you give to them, Elizabeth? Mm, 
the most powerful relationship you will ever have is the one with yourself. It shapes every single relationship you have in your life. The way that you think and the way that you feel about yourself is a determinant for the way that you show up and behave in your partnerships, in your family, with your kids. So be with yourself today and really think about what kind of life do you deserve? What do you feel you're really worthy of? Because in my eyes, in my opinion, I know you deserve to be present to yourself, to be connected to who you really are. And that takes that leap into getting to know what you're thinking and how you're feeling and why you're thinking and feeling the way you do. And those are the most loving questions you can ever ask yourself because they change, they transform every single relationship you have thereafter. And so that's the advice I would let your listeners sit in on and think about is that I know they deserve that. And, and then when are you ready to proclaim that you are deserving of that too? Beautiful advice. And Elizabeth, you're a beautiful soul. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's, it's just so great to have you here and to meet you. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I loved being here. You have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Bye, Elizabeth. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and rating the show on Apple Podcasts. I have a question for you. Would you like to conquer your inner bully? How would you feel if you could break through the blocks that are keeping you from moving forward in your life? Maybe you have anxiety, maybe you have sleep issues, or or maybe you need help with stress. I'd be glad to work with you. I'm a licensed hypnotist, and I'll help you move through your challenges to the other side where you'll feel calm and accomplished. Send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. We'll set up a free 30-minute session where we'll see if you're a good fit for my hypnosis and coaching package. In the subject line, put Mindfulness Mode Listener. And again, send it to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. So now, Mindful Tribe, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.